Welcome to the Yukon RUF podcast. RUF at Yukon is a ministry that relies completely on the financial support of churches and individuals like you in order to serve the Yukon community. You can support RUF at Yukon by going to ruf.org slash Yukon. back in action with you guys. Hope the break was good for you. Hope you're at least somewhat glad to be back. Uh, This is RUF. RUF is about Jesus and the gospel of grace. Uh, Grace is this idea. The gospel unpacks this idea that you're never so good that you're beyond the need of uh, God's grace, his love. Uh, offered to us. You're never so bad that you're beyond the reach of his grace. And RUF is a community uh, united around this idea of the gospel uh, that Jesus shows us. And this semester, we're starting something new. Uh, Last semester, uh, we were in the gospel of John, and we're moving on to a different section of the Bible, and we're looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians. And uh, I'm calling this series uh, in our time in Philippians joy in a world gone flat and uh, because Philippians is a letter that Paul writes to a church and it's in a lot of ways about joy and uh, I don't know about you but I often feel like uh, I'm a person in need of joy or I walk around the world thinking where is the joy and so those are some of the things we're going to talk about in this series but before we do it's worth just kind of saying Uh, what Philippians is a little bit. So Philippians is a letter, and Paul is an early Christian. And Paul is a unique person. Uh, You may know some of Paul's background, but Paul was an enemy of the gospel. He uh, was a Jewish leader who made it his life's mission once Christianity started uh, to end Christianity. And uh, he actually went so far as to, like, pursue Christians to have them jailed and killed in his pursuit of this mission until he met Jesus one day. Uh, Jesus appeared to him on, while he was on his way to do this kind of work, and his life was changed because he met Jesus in grace. And from that point on, he made his life's mission about spreading this gospel of Jesus Christ. And he traveled the known world Uh, establishing churches, and Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece, was one of them. And so he started a church in this city called Philippi in in modern-day Greece, and he moved along, and he was eventually arrested and jailed. And so he writes this letter to these Christians in Philippi that he met and knew and told them about Jesus, and they started a church. And he's now in Rome under house arrest before he's going to be executed. So uh, don't picture like a dungeon so much as like a house that he's not allowed to leave. And he is allowed to receive visitors and stuff like that, but he's not allowed to leave. And he knows he's about to be put to death sometime soon. And so with that in mind, as a background, I'll start us off and read uh, our text for tonight. So uh, this is from Philippians 1, 1 through 11. says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who were at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So those are like leaders in the church. 
Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you all because I hold you in my heart, for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let me pray for us. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we come now to your word, we pray that you would guide us through it, Uh, whether uh, it's something we've never seen before or heard before or a passage we've read and heard many times. uh, We pray uh, that you would apply it to our hearts, uh, whether... uh, we have a lot of doubts or we're very confident or whoever we are and where we're coming from, we pray that you would meet us there with this word and make us different. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're reading a letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians. And as he opens the letter, you get a sense of what it's all about just by reading the first few verses. In verse 2, it's, he says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in verse 5, he talks about a partnership in the gospel. And he talks about God beginning a good work in them. And he talks about being partakers of grace. And he talks again about the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And so the big idea is the gospel. Paul is all about the gospel. And so what I want to look at tonight to just start our time in this short text is what the gospel even is. Is. And if you've been around like a church or a Sunday school or a youth group before, you may have heard or hear that the gospel literally means good news, right? It means good news. It was the type of good news that was proclaimed like in the Roman Empire, for instance, when they like conquered a new land and someone would come back with like the gospel. Or if there was a new emperor, the gospel, the good news, there's a new king. And so it's good news. And I want you to think about what happens to you. So think about, like, take that out of the equation and just think of good news that you hear every now and then. I want you to think about what happens to you when you hear it. Significant good news. What happens to you? I heard a story recently. This is from the Moth podcast. Anybody ever heard that? It's like, it's a podcast that just tells, like, shares amazing stories that actual people tell that are true. So like the best kind of stories you've ever heard. And this guy comes on and tells this story. His name is Bradford Jordan. And he tells this story about, uh, he's, I think he's in his like 20s or 30s, and he's staying with his parents, and he gets this email out of the blue. And in the email, it says, hey, like, this is important. Uh, we met five years ago when we were both studying in Oxford. I don't know if you remember this or not. We, you, we were introduced to this mutual friend, Mike, and we met and we went out one night and things got kind of crazy. 
And I don't, the, the result of that night is that I was, became pregnant. And you are the father. And now I have a child that you are the father of. And I've been talking to my therapist and my family. And we, like, they think it's time for me to just, I just need to tell you. I'm not expecting anything from, I don't know if you want to be involved. If so, okay. And if not, that's okay too. But I want you to know that you have a I think it's a son, and uh, you know, uh, email me back if you want to talk more about it. Okay, and this guy Bradford Jordan is just like leveled. He bursts into tears. Uh, you know, he's never really wanted to have kids before, but he like he finds out he has a son, and he bursts into tears. And he's staying with his parents, and so he's like on the floor, just like laid out unbelievable I am a father and he and he's staying with his dad so he starts talking to his dad about like you know this like you're a grandfather and I have a son and I need to like get in touch uh, with this woman Stephanie Miller who emailed me and uh, and the other thing is that he has a girlfriend a different girlfriend now and so he has to call her and so he calls his new girl the current girlfriend and he says you know I know that we've been talking a, like, a lot about our future together, whether we would ever have kids, and I've always kind of been against it, but I want you to know. And he's thinking, like, I've got to tell her that I want kids and that I have one, right? And he's, so he's like, I, I want you to know, like I, like, I got this email, and his girlfriend goes, from Stephanie Miller, April Fools, I guess you do want kids. Just like that. Yeah, it's crazy, right? But he, this, he goes on to tell about like how this new, like he found out that he was a father. It turned out to not be true. So, but in the moment, he became a father and it totally changed everything for him. And it actually changed, like he does want kids now. Like he got to experience that moment of becoming a father and he, it changed everything for him Receiving good news has that power for us. And we need to start thinking about the gospel like that. That kind of good news. It's news that changes everything. Now, what is the good news? The good news of the gospel starts at the beginning of our passage in verse 2. It says, grace and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, When you think of God, do you think of grace and peace? Uh, Grace is this idea... uh, It it literally means a gift. Uh, God is a giver of gifts. God gives free gifts to his people. He's a giver. Uh, He's one who, like, is for peace. He wants to be at peace with you. He's bringing about peace. Do you think about that? A generous God, a God who loves to give good gifts to his people. Uh, Another story, I have a friend who got married uh, a while back, and I have helped uh, officiate the wedding because I do that sometimes for people that get married. And uh, I was talking to him leading up to the wedding, and I was like, "So, are you going on a honeymoon?" And he was like, "Listen to this." He was like, "I was sitting there thinking, like, I want to like take my new wife on a honeymoon, and I have no idea how I'm going to pay for it." Now, this is another true story. Out of the blue, a guy calls him up and he says, "Hey, you don't know me." But my uh, nephew knows you, 
and uh, he told me that you were getting married, and so I, I just like to do this stuff sometimes. Uh, I travel a lot for work. I stay at the nicest hotels. I travel all around the world. It's part of my job. I only stay at amazing hotels, and I'm going to send you and your new wife to my favorite hotel in the world. Uh, it's a four-diamond hotel in Mexico. Uh, I'm going to fly you there first class, and when you get there, my personal driver is going to take you to the hotel. Just because. Just because I'm like that. And it was real. Like, they went on the most amazing honeymoon <laughs> in the world. Um, that's, what, that's what the kind of grace the amazing grace that we're talking about when we talk about God being a God of grace. And grace is actually more than that with God, though, because we're not, like, neutral towards God. Like, my friend was neutral toward this random guy who called him and gave him an amazing honeymoon, right? But we often run from God. We often mistrust God. We often try to make a life without him. And the good news of the gospel is that people like us who run from him, who hated him, can be brought back, that we can have eternal life. And the gospel is, you know, it's good news that springs from the work of Christ. Christ, Jesus came. God came to earth. He lived a life as our substitute and died in our place so that we could be forgiven and made right with God. And so we can, everything is new for us. We have a new good standing with God. I want to ask you tonight, are you really screwed up? Have you made big mistakes? Did you make big mistakes over the last six weeks during Christmas break? The good news of the gospel is that if you will trust that Jesus' life counts for yours, you can still, you will belong to God. And the result is peace. You can be at peace with God. Your whole existence can be an existence of peace because of the gospel. It's good news that you need to hear and embrace to have eternal life with God. And it's also good news that you just need to hear every day because we don't live in a world of peace, right? We live in a world of like, I got to get this internship or my life is over. Or I got to get into this program or everything's going to fall apart or I need to impress these people or I need to be great. I need to be pretty. I need to be important. The gospel is good news in the face of all that other news. It's this lens through which we can view all that other stuff and therefore enter into a life marked by grace and peace. Uh, so uh, I want to look now at what we talked about, like the gospel is news and news does something to you. It changes you. And I want to look at what it does, and I'm going to look at three things that the gospel does to us as we embrace it. And the first thing is that it makes you spread it. All right, and I always think about, like, spring. one of the things that makes the spring semester great is the snow days. And it's always great, like, when there's a storm in the forecast, and there's, like, a a fervor on campus, because everyone's, like, waiting for that moment when you get the text, right? Like... (laughs) classes and when it happens like I've been in the U downstairs when it happens or other places on campus and what happens is like one person checks their text and then they just like blurt it out to the it's just like a wave of like good news just like flowing across the campus and it's like there's this like a rumble like "Ah, but it's news like if you get the text and you're with friends that don't have it 
Like, you can't help but to blurt it out, right? It's news that's so good that it needs to be shared, okay? This is what Paul's story is. Uh, he has received news that is so good, like an enemy of Jesus, an enemy of God himself can be brought back. And he goes with that message. He goes all over the known world with that message because it's too good to not be spread. Uh, if you're a Christian tonight, I want to ask you, uh, you know, are you compelled to share the good news about Jesus. And if you're not, the question is why? And if you're not, if, if, if a lot of Christians kind of talk like, well, my faith is private, I, I'm a Christian, but I don't like to impose on people. Uh, I want to suggest to you that maybe you haven't, like the news hasn't sunk in enough or truly, because news that's really, really good like this news can't help but be shared. Or maybe we have other news, other things going for us that crowds it out. Um, And I also want to suggest to you that not everyone needs to be like a foreign missionary like Paul. Like I think for a lot of us, we're like, I feel weird talking to people about this. It's not my gift. I'm like, I'm not good at it. And, you know, that's actually okay. You know, some people are better at this, like sharing their faith or talking to people about God than other people. And what you need to see is that it's really a call to serve. Like he's writing, Paul is responding in a letter to these Christians because they sent him a care package. Like this guy named Epaphroditus actually like brought this care package from their church to him as a way of serving him as he goes. Okay, so there's all kinds of ways to be about spreading the gospel. One of which is to be involved in something like RUF. You know, RUF, like, RUF is not really a club in the sense of the way people talk about clubs at UConn because we really exist for the good of people outside of RUF. Like we want other people to hear what we have come to know and we want to be built up in our faith as well. Like I hope RUF for you is a place where you can grow and be shaped, but I also want you all to get on board with this idea that you know maybe I can bring other people into this or maybe I can you know, talk to Lucas about ways I can serve, like, I don't know, bringing food to large group or like thinking of cool events we should do or service projects, all kinds of things like that, uh, because that's what we want RUF to be about. Uh, we want it to be about the mission of spreading the good news. And so the gospel, when you embrace the good news, you spread it. But it also, the other, another thing the gospel does is it makes you a lover, Uh, Paul is like gushing in this text. He says, I yearn for you with the affection of Christ Jesus uh, in verse 8. And in verse 9, he prays that their their love would abound more and more. But interestingly, he says this thing that I don't know if it sounded interesting to you. Um, He says, I pray that you're in verse 9. Love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. I wonder... If you think of love and associate it with knowledge and discernment. Uh, I have an extended family member who is around your age, college student, and we're not like tight, tight, but I do follow her on Instagram. And recently she posted a selfie of herself on Instagram that I saw and I noticed like there's all these comments on it. So 
just because I'm weird or something, I was like, I'm going to read the comments in this family me- extended family member's Instagram selfie. And it was all her friends, I guess, people she knows being like, you know, oh, great, like, you're hot or, you know, whatever. Great picture. Uh, I love you so much or something like that. And, and anytime someone commented like that, she would always respond like, love you so much, love you so much. Uh, and it got me to think like, what? Either this is different than what I think about. I, don't, I just don't throw around love like that. But I think love gets thrown around very, can be thrown around very flippantly today. Like, oh, I love you so much. And it's just something we say to each other without thinking a lot about it. Or it can also be thrown around very simplistically in a song like the Beatles song, All You Need Is Love, you know? Or someone might say like, you know, I don't get why you Christians, why you care so much about, like, Christian or not Christian. Like, you know, my religion is love. You know, why can't we all just love each other? And the problem with that, an idea like that, is, well, what do you mean by that? What definition of love are you using when you say, why can't we all just love each other? Um, because there's a lot of different conceptions of what love is and Christian love it does involve feeling like it's not it's not bad to be like you know have the feels or whatever Paul's got the feels and he feels great affection he says he yearns for them uh, he says he holds them in his heart but Christian love is not rooted in feeling it's rooted in commitment and truth and that's why Paul says that he prays that their love would abound with knowledge and discernment. Uh, because loving someone requires knowing the truth and loving, lovingly pushing our loved ones toward the truth, toward what is right, toward what is good. You know, think about like me and my kids. I love my kids, right? What if I was like always telling you like, oh, I love my kids so much and I was always hugging them and kissing them and stuff like that. But... I, at the same time, I was neglecting their medical care. You would all have a problem with that, right? And you would be like, no, you're not loving them, actually. You know, and I was like, what? Like, you need to vaccinate your kids? I didn't know. Like, <laughs> it's not loving my kids to not know that, right? Like, part of being a parent who loves is knowing stuff that my kids need. Oh, like, you need to go to school? Like, all these things are required for me to actually love them. And that's what love is. That's the kind of love that Paul's talking about. Um, It requires truth. Christian love, Christians, uh, like, love tells the truth even when it's hard, if it will benefit the ones we love. So I want to ask you, one, first of all, are you pursuing truth? Are you seeking wisdom in life? Are you looking to the Bible? Are you going to join a Bible study that we're offering this semester? Are you seeking to be learn, uh, to learn and be shaped by God's word, uh, learning of his love for us in the way that the Bible tells it? And secondly, are you speaking truth? Even when it's hard. Even when there are barriers. 
or another way to ask that is, because the gospel is true, because of the love of Jesus has been freely given to you, who can you care for? Who can you be pursuing more? Uh, can we pursue each other more? Uh, so the gospel makes you spread it, and the gospel makes you a lover. But finally, the gospel makes you holy. And at the beginning of this letter, Paul actually says, in verse 1, to the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. Uh, I don't know what you think of when you think of a saint. Uh, most people, I think, think of a super Christian, a, a particular Christian who's done amazing things. But in the Bible, a saint is the name that is used for any Christian. Any Christian is a saint. And the word saint means holy. It's a holy one. And so Paul is writing this to the holy ones in Philippi. And I, and I don't know what you think of when you think of the word holy, but what it actually means is set apart. It means like other. It means special. And in the Bible, God is holy. Like when we meet God in the Bible, he is holy. Uh, when people in the Bible encounter God, it's terrifying because of the otherness, because of how set apart God is in his holiness. He's like unlike any other, and so it's terrifying to meet him. But what's remarkable in the Bible, we meet this holy God, but then God starts to call his people holy. He says, I'm going to make you into my holy nation, my holy people. I'm going to set you apart. And he's saying this to people that are not like less screwed up than you and me. Like they might be more screwed up than you and me. I'm not sure. Uh, but God sets them apart, and when he does, they begin to become who God has said that they are. Okay? That's what's going on in this letter. It's, it's written to people that are already saints. God has already set them apart. They've trusted in Jesus to save them. And now, God is at work to make them holy. And we see that in verse 6. It says, And I'm sure that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, in verse 10 it says uh, that they're going to be, in the end, pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Now how's that going to happen? There's a key verse in here, verse 11 at the end. It says, Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Now do you see what that's saying? Righteousness, or we could say the kind of holy living that we're talking about, setting apart, being set apart in that kind of a life, that is a fruit that comes through knowing Jesus Christ. So this is the order. God sets us apart and we trust in him. Then the good news of what Jesus has done takes root in our hearts. So the, Jesus is like the root, and then the fruit that grows out of that is a holy and righteous life. A life of purity. A life of doing what's right even though it's hard. A life of loving and caring for others even though that's hard. A life of spreading the good news. And if we're not seeing the fruit, if we're not seeing that fruit, what this is saying is we need to look at the root. Have I really embraced this gospel? Like, is Jesus my life? Like we sang in the song. How can the gospel make us live holy lives? 
the gospel works, the reason the good news works is because we perform best when our status is secure. Right? When we're not worried about where we stand is when we shine the most. A few years ago, nine years ago now, uh, I, can rem- I can still remember this. One random night I was flipping the channels and the Winter Olympics were on. And I don't watch the Winter Olympics, but it was like the end of, an, of the snowboarding half pipe. And I was like, okay, I'll watch. Like, I'll see how this ends. And it's Sean White days. Uh, you remember Sean White, the redheaded, long hair guy, awesome guy. And I caught it at the end of the event. And, you know, in the standings, like he had already locked up the gold medal. Like he had won the event, but he still had one run left. To go and so the commentators were like wow he could just like snowboard down the middle and win the gold medal like what is he going to do and it was interesting because what he did was like a real run and at the very end of it he lands this double McTwist 1260 which had never been landed in the Olympics like the announcers are, I don't know snowboarding I don't know what that is but the announcers are like this is insane. Like, he just landed a double McTwist, 1260. And, like, the crowd is going nuts. Like, it's this amazing moment in the sport of snowboarding. And do you see what happened in it? He was able to p- perform because he already had the gold. Like, the pressure was off. He was free because he had the gold. Okay, here is the gospel that we're talking about. If you've trusted in Jesus, then you already have a status with God that you can never lose. You're a holy one. And the reason you have it is because Jesus, the holy one, the creator, lost his status. For you, He was treated, when he came, like the scum of the earth by people who he made. And he did it so that we could have his status. And it would be real. So that we could be set free to live the holy lives that we were made for, right? I can do this stuff if I know that my life doesn't depend on it. I'm free to try and free to fail and receive grace. So so Jesus does this work so that we can be brought in, close to God, so that we can be loving the people around us, so that we can be brought together in fellowship, so we can grow in our holiness, which God is in charge of, by the way. Like, God is going to make it happen in working for the spread of the gospel. And twice in this passage, there's a day mentioned. Did you catch it? The day of Jesus Christ. That's judgment day. Like It's talking about a day when Jesus Christ will return here. And that can either be a terrifying day, or if we have our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ, that can be a day that we look forward to as we cling to the gospel. That's the good news. It changes everything. Uh, Let me close in prayer and then we will sing our last song. Let's pray.
Oh, Father, we, you know how much we struggle with the good news uh, because there's so much in our hearts and in our world that kind of crowds it out, uh, that uh, so many other things we tend to trust in because they seem more tangible and it's so easy to become cynical about the good news. Uh, but we pray that you would help it to take root in our hearts. We pray that the fruit of righteousness would be borne out in our lives, uh, that we would be truly changed by this good news. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.